If you have your Bibles here in the house or on True Worth or online, I invite you to find Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 11 is where we're going to start. You need a Bible, they'll bring one to you. Raise your hand. We're going to dive in pretty quickly here. We have a lot to cover. Have your notes there ready. We're going to start in Proverbs chapter 11, beginning at verse 14. After this weekend, we have two more weeks remaining in the book of Proverbs. There's one over here to my left where Scripture's needed. You kind of see over here to my left is the far right side of the building, and they'll, bring, they'll, they'll get it to you. They, they got you located. They're going to bring one to you right now. So three more weeks, two more weeks after this one, and we'll be shifting on getting ready for Christmas. Can you believe it? We're starting off chapter 11, verse 14. It goes like this. For lack of guidance... A nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. Now, that last phrase there, victory is won through many advisors, you find that in the Proverbs repeatedly, that phrase. I'm just going to read it one more time. Proverbs 15, uh, verse 22. 15, verse 22. Uh, it says, uh, plans fail for lack of, say the word, counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. Now, this is what we're doing this morning. This is where we're going. We're going to focus on what it means to receive counsel, how to receive advice, process it, and to apply it to our decision-making. Now, about three weeks ago, I guess now five weeks ago, week three of this message series, we did something about decision-making. And I threw out to you a hypothetical, hypothetical opportunity of investing in a restaurant chain in Burson, Texas called California Dreaming. How many of you remember that we're here? You remember California Dreaming? Okay. Now, we chose not to do that, right? We chose not to do that. But since then, some other great ideas have kind of come up that I just kind of want to throw out to you. I mean, what would it be like for a, for a group of our local Indian people who come from India to start a restaurant that we would invest in called Curry in a hurry. I, I think that might have possibilities. Or maybe we get the Italians together and come up with a, a fish place called the Codfather. I, I think those two things would make money. So if that resonates with any of you and you put together a business plan, give me a call. I'll look it out. I'll examine the Proverbs and we'll see. You know, we'll see what God will do here. But we're talking about decision making. We put a test case out there. We used that week three to learn how to make Christ godly-like decisions. And we're going to kind of build on that this morning a little bit. So I think it'd be important to have a quick little review. If you're new here, you're a guest here, you can download our app. You can go online. Uh, you can find our Facebook page, all the messages. This is week three, which I'm going to give you a quick highlight, week three, that we're going to build on this morning about how a Christian makes Good, godly decisions. And here's the first thing we do in our review, and you have that at the top of your notes. You'll see if you want to take notes. Is that a Christian, first of all, admits that God is smarter than I am. That's the very first thing about a Christian who's making a good decision. You say, God, your ways are higher than my ways. God, you're smarter than I am. God, I humbly come before you, and I just acknowledge that I have a decision to make, and I need counsel. I need your guidance. In fact, God, I need your help. And that's where you start. And then I suggested over there in James 1, 5, there's a little verse that goes like this. If anybody lacks wisdom, the scripture says, ask for it. 
So then I suggested the second thing you do is you go, you go to God and you formally ask God for wisdom. And the emphasis was on formally. And so I challenge you to do one of two things. First of all, you can get a hard calendar, a paper calendar, not your, not your phone, not digital, but get a paper calendar. And you go to the square today, November 4th, 2018. And in that square, you say, okay, God, I got this decision I have to make. Today, I am asking for your wisdom. And you put the date, you sign it, and you do that every single day till you get God's wisdom. Or I think a more powerful way is you get your journal and you actually write in your journal, God, I have a critical decision to make. I don't know what to do. I am needing your wisdom. And you keep writing. And I'm not going to stop asking for it until you give it to me. Then you sign your name and you date it. And you keep doing that until you receive the wisdom that you need to make the decision that you need to make. And then we lined out three different ways that I believe that it's very clear that God gives us guidance or God gives us wisdom when we ask for it. And here's the first one, through the word, through this book. I believe that if you read in this book 15 minutes a day over the course of your life, the accumulation of being in this book just 15 minutes a day, you'll have God speaking wisdom to you that you need, recalling verses at the right time so you know what God wants you to do in this decision. The second way this happens is through whispers of the Holy Spirit. Is that God, I, I've never heard God speak to me out loud, Rick! It's through the nudges of the Holy Spirit where God kind of says, you know, you feel like God's call. Hey, I want you to go this way or I want you to go that way or I want you to do. The Holy Spirit speaks in the quiet recesses of your heart. And the third way is this, and that is through the wisdom of other people. See, God wants to speak to you sometimes through other people. Because here's what I know. Sometimes you can't hear God speak. Will anybody say that sometimes you you, I mean, you're going through something in life, right? Or maybe you feel like you're far from God or whatever, but you just can't hear. You just don't have a sense of God speaking into your life. But you have good friends. You have trusted family members, and they know what you're going through. They know the decision you have to make, and so they go to God for you. They go to God, and they pray to God, and they pour out to God your decision, and then God speaks to them, and they come and share with you what they heard God say, and all of a sudden, you get clarity. You know, sometimes I'll say to someone when they can't have faith, I'll say, listen, have faith in my faith. Sometimes that's all they need to hear, have faith in my faith. Now, this is where we're going to hang out here this morning on how you receive counsel or advice from other people and how you use it to help you make good, godly, Christ-like decisions. We're building off of week three, decision-making, and week seven, having the right friends in your life. Now, I want to stop right here and tell you something straight up, true worth, those online, those up there at the craft, very back, I'm really going to push you this morning. Uh, I, I'm going to push you in some ways, perhaps, that I've not pushed some of you before. I'm really going to challenge you. And for some of you, you're going to go, oh, a little bit. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just preparing you. Some of you, you are. But I'm going to treat you like the accelerated class, okay? I'm going to treat you like you're adults in Christ. You know when your kids are growing up and they say, hey, listen, I'm an adult. I'm grown. Why don't you treat me like I'm grown up? You remember that, your kid? I'm going to treat you this morning like you're grown up, okay? So I'm going to push you. 
I'm just preparing you on this idea. Now, right here, we're going to go back to the original verse, Proverbs 11, verse 14. Proverbs 11, verse 14. It says, for lack of guidance, a nation falls. What a perfect verse for election week. What a perfect verse. If you have not voted, vote. Pray before you go vote. Think before you go vote. Don't buy in. You think. You make a wise decision. For lack of guidance, a nation falls. But the next place is where we're hanging out. Victory is won through how many? Many advisors. So in other words, one person in your life is not going to have all the wisdom that you need. You've got to have many people in your life speaking counsel, speaking wisdom into your life. And there is Christ a problem. Because you have different people speaking into your life. They love you. They care for you. They're speaking what they think is best. They all have different ideas, different thoughts. You're going to hear different things of wisdom. So what do you do with that? What do you do? Confusion. Conflict can happen. Here's the first thing in your message notes. God is going to lead me. I have to discern, discern the counsel of my wise advisors. Say discern. That means that I just can't trust, let somebody else make the decision for me. That you still have work to do when someone gives you counsel and someone gives you advice. You have to think about it. You have to decide and figure it out what it is that God really wants you to hear. You have work to do. You just don't go, okay, I'm going to take all the counsel and whatever the majority says, that's what I'm going to do. Majority rules. If you do that, you're going to get yourself in trouble. Over the course of time, many people have got themselves in a bad spot because they took the majority and they said, I'm just going to do whatever they say. I'm going to give you an example. In the scriptures, over in 2 Chronicles, we learn something about Israel. It's called the, the, the golden era of Israel. Now, if you've been reading your Bible 15 minutes a day for many, many years, you already know what I, where I'm going with this. You know about the golden era. The golden era was an 80-year period when King David and King Solomon was on the throne. And during those 80 years, Israel had massive wealth. I'm going to say, relatively speaking, more wealth today than the United States of America as a nation from inflation and relatively speaking. I mean massive wealth. They had this great jobs program. There was zero unemployment during this time, zero unemployment. Everybody had a job, building massive, huge buildings, all these palaces. They built the temple during that time period. I mean, everybody was reaping benefits. And then Solomon dies. And the people are hoping that this golden era is going to continue. When Rehoboam becomes the king, when Rehoboam becomes king, the people revolt. And in fact, it says right here in verse 4, chapter 10, 2 Chronicles, they go to Rehoboam and say, hey, listen, Rehoboam, uh, your dad and your granddad, they taxed us pretty high. They pushed us, made us work hard. We need a break, man. Give us a break. Lighten the load. And if you'll do that, we'll follow your leadership. 
Now, Rehoboam does something very wise. If you've turned over there, you'll notice it says right there in verse 5, he says, come back to me in three days. That's wisdom. I got a decision to make. I need to think about it. I got to seek counsel. I got to seek advice. And so you read right there in verse 6, the very first thing that Rehoboam does is he goes to his dad's elders, his dad's advisors. These are the men who watched Rehoboam grow up as a child and always was advising his dad. He said, God, t- tell me what you think I should do. Give me some wisdom. He said, well, here's what I think. Your dad and your granddad pushed the people pretty hard. Read the scriptures. And he says, we think you need to give them a break. Lighten up a little bit. Lighten the load. And if you lighten it, they're going to follow your leadership. He goes, okay, got it. Now he goes to his friends, his younger guys, the friends who grew up with him, his peers the same age. All right, guys, you hear the decision I have to make. This is my first critical decision. You hear what the people say, the older guys say, what do you younger guys say? And they say, listen, you got to show them who's boss. I mean, you got to lay, if you you get easy on them and lighten the load, they're going to take advantage of you. They're not going to be doing their work showing up. You got to lay the load on them. Now, if you've been reading your Bibles for 15 minutes a day over the course of the time, you already know what happened, don't you? Hmm. You already know what he did. He took the advice of the younger and he steps out before Israel and he says, hey, listen, guys, I'm the boss. I'm the king now, and I'm not going to lighten your load. In fact, I'm going to double the load. We're going to work harder. We're going to work longer. We're going to do more. Now, read the scriptures. What happens next? They say, forget you, buddy. It says the scripture, they actually, the workers laid their tools down and walked off the job. And within a very short period of time, 12 tribes of Israel United, were united no more. Ten left, and there's Rehoboam left with only two tribes to rule over. One bad decision cost him his legacy, the kingdom that his father put in his hands to lead and to rule. Let me stop right here for a second. I wonder how many in this room watching online at True Worth I can see you, True Worth. I can see you. I'm connecting with you right now. You would raise your hand and say that you made a bad decision, and a lot of people around you paid the price for your decision. How many would raise your hand and admit that? A few of you. I would remind the others of you who didn't raise your hand, you're in church. (laughs) God knows. That was a bad decision not to raise your hand. I'm just saying. That was a real bad decision because we've all made bad decisions that other people have had to pay the consequences. And if you're a leader, please, if you're a leader, I'm going to push leaders. I'm really going to press leaders. If you're a leader and you get the decision wrong, lots of people pay. I know that for a fact. God has allowed me to be the leader of my role in this church for 32 years. And over the course of 32 years, I've got some decisions wrong. And everybody has paid the price sometimes for the things that I have gotten wrong. And so you, if you're in the marketplace, you're a leader in the free profit market world. You're a leader. You work for the government or some sort of community. You work in education. Whatever it is, if you are a leader, please do not take lightly that when you get the decision wrong, lots of people pay a high price. 
Rehoboam got it wrong. And everybody paid dearly. Now, here's the problem here. Rehoboam obeyed the scripture. He went and got counsel from the younger. He got counsel from the older. He did what the scripture said, but he still got it wrong. Interesting. Now, we're going to wrestle with that. Here's the point I want to make. Here's the critical point I want to make. I encourage you to get advice, counsel from as many people as you can. But that does not absolve you, you, from getting the decision right. You. Because at the end of the day, at the end of your life, you and you alone will give an account to God for your life. For how you lived your life. For who you followed. For what you believed. For how you took your gifts and your talents that God gave you and how you maximized them to be a blessing to other people. You and you alone will be held accountable for your decisions. No blaming anybody else. It comes down to you. Get all the counsel you need. Get all the wisdom that you need. Get it, get it, get it, get it. I advise you to do it, but you need to understand something. Sometimes the counsel and the advice you get is going to be wrong. Sometimes it's going to miss the mark. It is. In fact, sometimes, in your notes, sometimes God is going to lead me to go against the counsel of my wise advisors. Sometimes he will. You got to pay attention to that. You here in this room, you at True Worth, you who can hear my voice and see here what's going on online, who are watching online from wherever you are in the world, you are living evidence of this reality. Let me show you how. 32 years ago this week, Dallas and I and our five year old son, about to turn six, Justin, we moved to Burleson, Texas to be a part of a little church called St. Matthew, this church. 40 people, two acres of land. And I found myself very early on walking around this little two-acre property, small little church, asking God, God, what do you want to do here? And God, what do you want me to do while I'm here? And God began to give me this vision, a very clear vision, saying, Rick, I, I, I vision this church that has multiple worship times and, and alternate styles of worship. I see a church where people talk about real things, where people can come with their addictions, their pornography addictions. A church where people come with, with, their, with their, their chemical addictions, with their real stuff, and sit down and talk about and experience the healing of God in their life. I, where people of all races and of all cultures can come. A place where people can come and take off their coat and tie if they want to. And the leadership are just real people. Where people not just come from Burleson, but from the surrounding towns. And, and a place where it's just a real church. And that's, that's what I want you to do. And so I started getting this vision and sharing it with people. The pastors in our presbytery, that's a part of our government. I'm 31, getting ready to turn 32. Uh, I told them this. They said, you're crazy. You do that, they're going to fire you in less than two years. 
I told two local pastors this vision because at that time, St. Matthew was a very small little church. And so we had to connect with other two churches, small churches like us, to do things. We didn't have enough resources. And I shared that with them. And they said, listen, man, that's never going to work here. I said, how come? For one thing, you're not Baptist and you're not Methodist. There's only room for two big churches around here who really do stuff like that. And that's just not going to happen. And they said, besides that, a leper can't change his spots. You're Cumberland Presbyterian. Haven't you read your history? They don't do that. And so then I talked to my seminary professors. I'm still in seminary. And they say, listen, we advise you to just keep the sheep in the pen you already have happy so you have a job. So just forget those ideas. I'm going, but you don't understand. I am sure that God has spoken clearly what he wants me to do. He says, I want to build a church in Burleson, Texas that is not a cookie-cutter church. I want to build a church that is not for the people who already know Jesus, but for people who don't even believe in church, who don't like church, who've given up on church, who've quit church. For people who don't think they belong in church, that are not welcome in church. To build a place for people who are not even sure if they believe in me can come and feel safe. And I was convicted about that. But the scripture says, make sure you get many advice, a lot of advice from a lot of different people. And so I'm doing that. And they're saying, no, you're too young. You're too inexperienced. You can't try something like this. You're too young. They say, and you're Cumberland Presbyterian. You're still in seminary. You have no experience. Not only that, you don't have the financial resources at your disposal to even approach such a thing. And so I find myself in a quandary. I'm reading the Bible and I'm praying and it says go and I'm talking to people I trust and like and they say no. What do you do? See, I found myself at a time come face to face with a very critical truth at a very young age. And here it is. At the end of the day, at the end of my life, those good pastors and those good friends who really had concern for me, I will not be facing them on that final day. I'll be standing before God. And the question will be, did I obey that still small voice of clarity or did I listen to these other folks who had good intentions And I will tell you, I struggled for quite a while. We started doing some of these things around here over time, and sometimes I felt like I was sinning because people were angry, people were unhappy, people were leaving. It created a lot of consternation around here, let me tell you. And there were times I felt like I was being courageously obedient. But it took me a while to get to that place of, yes, this is for sure, I trust, this is what God wants to happen here in this place. It was a struggle. Now, in Acts chapter 20, we have the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, and he's pastoring a church called Ephesus, the church of Ephesus. And he feels like God is telling him, go to Jerusalem. So he calls the elders of the church, his trusted counselors. And he said, listen, guys, I'm going to Jerusalem. And they say, no, you're not. It's not God's will. You're not going. You got to stay right here. You got to pastor us. We love you, Paul, begging, crying, stay. He says, I can't. I'm going. He goes to Jerusalem. 
You get over there into, into Acts chapter 21, it's an amazing little thing along the way. He stopped, and people are telling him, no, 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 this is not God's will for you, Paul. you got to stop. Don't go, don't go, don't go. And then down here in verse 19 of chapter 21, there's a prophet that shows up. I imagine some of you have never read this verse unless you're reading your Bible 15 minutes a day for your whole life, then you know what this verse is. Okay, I'm just saying. It's, a, it's an unusual prophet in, this, in the scriptures, and his name is Agabus. And Agabus, this prophet, says, Paul, 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 where are you going? I'm going to Jerusalem. No, you're not. It's not God's will. It's not God's will. Don't you go. And then he took off Paul's belt around his waist. And Agabus takes the belt, ties up his own hands, and ties up his feet, and lays on the ground like a calf that's been tied up at a rodeo. And he says, Paul, look at me. Don't you stop looking away. Look at me, Paul. This is what's going to happen to you. If you go to Jerusalem, they're going to tie you up. They're going to arrest you. They're going to beat you, and you might even die. It's not God's will. Don't go. Now, what would most of us do here in the house? You're the average Christian, right? You have all these people, godly elders, disciples, and you even have a prophet telling you, don't do it. You go, oh, okay, I must have been listening to the wrong thing. My wires are crossed. I must have eaten anchovy pizza or something. It's indigestion or something. And you say, okay, I won't do it. But look what the Apostle Paul said. I have this verse underlined in my Bible, verse 13, chapter 21, asterisk. Look what he says. Why are you weeping? Why are you breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank, thank you for your tears. Thank you for praying for me. Thank you for your counsel. But I am bound in spirit by the Spirit of God himself to go to Jerusalem. Now, Agabus, give me my belt back. My pants are falling down. Give me my belt back. I'm going to Jerusalem. And he goes. And if you've been reading your Bible 15 minutes a day, if you've been reading your you know what happens in Jerusalem. You know, just 15 minutes a day, every day, over the course of time, you would know. You would know what happened in Jerusalem. Some of you do know. He made a huge impact for God. Huge impact. He was also arrested. And he was beaten. But he would say it was the right decision because God was honored. And people were and they came to know who Jesus was. And you're thinking by now, okay, what is it? Do you listen to wise counsel? Do you listen to people? Or do you just go on your own? What is it, pastor? Make up your mind. Here's what I want you to hear. Number three, I have to weigh the wise counsel of my advisors, not blindly obey it. I have to weigh it, not blindly obey it. Say that with me. I have to weigh it, not blindly obey it. I got to ponder it. I got to reflect upon it. I got to think about it. I got to take it to the scriptures, ask questions of the scripture when I'm reading, seeking God's direction, seeking God's wisdom. I got to get my journal. I got to write about it. I got to think about it. I got to work all those things out, seeking what God has to say. And sometimes, sometimes, God's going to ask you to go against what he asked you to do. He's going to ask you to go totally against what he asked you to do. 
You got to go against what everybody else has asked. You got to weigh it. So, here's an example. In here, we have our staff, we have something called six by sixes. And the six by six is this I have six things I'm trying to accomplish in six weeks for the furthering of the mission and in my life. And one of my six things is by the end of November, I got to decide my 2019 travel. Uh, international tra- where I'm going to be teaching pastors, and we'll do a training for pastors in, in rural areas internationally. And I got some friends who are speaking to my life, and they're going, uh, you don't need to be doing that, Rick. I mean, you got this wonderful, great church you're pastoring. I mean, why would you do this? It's, it's going well. You need to be there. I mean, good friends of mine are saying, don't, don't do that. Uh, you got a wife. You got kids. I mean, by now, you're a papa. You got this granddaughter. In fact, I just kind of want to look at her for a second. Yeah. Yeah, y'all, 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 I don't care what y'all do, just take a nap. I just want to look at my little Lennox girl there for a little bit. That's her one-year-old birthday. She's 13 months. Oh, can you believe it? And there she is at Halloween right here. Um, I'm not sure she's a witch or a unicorn. I think, it's a, I think she's a uni-witch. I'll just tell you she's beautiful and she owns my heart. You know, I mean, she really does. I say, why would you want to leave that to go to the other side of the world? And when you get there... They're not going to appreciate really what's going on. And you're not going to be preaching to hundreds and thousands, 50, 60, 70 at a time most. They can't speak English. It'll be through a translator. They're not even going to pay you any money. Nobody's paying you more money. I mean, sometimes you pay them to come to the training. And when it's all over, you're going to come home and you're going to be jet lagged. You're going to be exhausted. And the, and the church and your family's going to warn you and you're going to be wiped out. Why would you? It's time to stop. Now, I weigh their counsel, but I would never obey it. You know why? Ten years ago, I'm in Ethiopia next to the border of Sudan. And I'm training a small group of pastors who've never had any training at all, zero. They're just trying to be obedient to the word. And there's Muslims, radical Muslims, that are burning their churches and, and burning their houses And at the end of a long day, and I'm exhausted, one of those worship pastors stood up, and they started singing songs that I couldn't understand. (laughs) But I could see the joy in their faces, and God spoke as clear to me in my spirit. He said, Rick, for the second half of your life, I want to make sure you include going to places where other pastors don't go and where other churches don't go. And we do this to our birthday gift to Jesus to make sure that pastors get encouraged and get left, left, who lifted up, who are really down and feel lonely. And I want you to do it. And church, I can have all the advisors in the world tell me to stop, do it. I will not stop until I'm released from that, from God himself. Weigh it, but not obey it. And I'm just like you. You may not believe this. <laughs> I am a male. I'm white. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm broken. I'm a man trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus as a husband, as a dad, and as a papa. That's all. I am no different from you. I got a job, bills, responsibility. And God speaks to me through these little whispers and nudges. And I believe God speaks to you in the same way. Because you're like me and I'm like you. We're all the same. 
But because those God nudges come in secret and in private, you think you can say no, and there'll be no consequences because nobody hears it. It's in here that it happens, and so you do nothing about it. If I was to ask a raise of hands, I know there'd be so many of you would say, oh, yeah, I, I could tell you three or four times right now, Pastor, where I felt the power of God nudging me and speaking to me. Hey, step up and do this. Step out and do that. I need you to go here. I want you to pour your life into this. Very strong impression. This is what God wanted you to do. No question. And you said, nah, I don't think so. I think I'll take a pass. It's going to cost me. It's going to upset my family pattern, my family priorities. It's going to cause me to sacrifice. You know what, God? I hear you what you're saying. I feel the nudge, but just keep this between you and me. I'm telling you no, but I'm not going to tell anybody else. And everybody else is going to believe I'm a fired-up Christian. I say this with the love of my heart. You are not a fired-up Christian. God is speaking to you and God is directing you and giving you clarity on what he wants you to do with your life and you're saying no. That's called disobedience. And when God has those conversations with you in the quiet recesses of your heart, I want you to know that's the beginning. When you say yes, that's the beginning of an adventure like you've never lived before. And all of a sudden, it's not going to be just sitting in a seat and doing religion every once in a while on Sunday morning. But all of a sudden, you're going to become alive because when you follow Jesus, I mean, really follow Jesus, and you do what he says in your life, all of a sudden, you're alive. You're stepping out in faith. You're risking it all. You're standing up against the culture. You're standing up for what is right. You're doing what in your heart that God has aligned you to do. And all of a sudden, you're living. John 10, 10, he says this. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that you might have life, and all of a sudden you'll be alive. But you, you have to make the decision. There's a man in this church who's been nudged by God several times to get baptized, get baptized, get baptized, get baptized. And I said, man, why don't, why don't you get baptized? Why don't you do it? He said, because my wife doesn't want me to. She doesn't even like me going to church. She doesn't even believe in God. And so I'm not. I can't upset the apple cart. And I want to say, listen, man, what I really want to say, at the end of the day, you're not going to be standing before your wife. You're going to be standing before somebody else. Be obedient to the call of God upon your life. Do what he says. Ask. Do what he says. Some of you here were here years ago when we preached a message series called Dream Big. And some of you got these B-hags. Some of you remember that? Some of you were around. Some of you were around. These big hags. B-hags are these things that you were going to do in the world for God that kind of stretch you. That kind of cause some sacrifice. And you got some advice from some family and friends. They go, man, that sounds kind of crazy. I, I wouldn't advise you to do that. It's going to cost you here. You're going to have to sacrifice here. You have to change things here. And so you said, yeah, you're right. You're right. That's crazy. I'm not going to do it. And I want to go, really? The God of the universe invited you to partner with him to change the world, to make it a better place, and you're saying no because it's going to be a little inconvenient? Really? (coughs) 
three weeks ago, standing right here in this room, there was a man that was baptized. His wife and family standing around him. He didn't believe in God for many, many years. In fact, he and his marriage, they were unequally yoked. And he would tell her, stop going to that church. She said, I can't stop. Stop serving. You're taking time away from the family. She said, I can't stop. God, I got to. And 20 years later, he came and was baptized. And underneath his cross, he kissed her right here in this space. And with that kiss, you know what he was really saying? Thank you for being obedient because I would not be here today without your yes to keep on being faithful to the one who has spoken into your life. Thank you. Are you getting this? That the decisions that you make just don't impact you. They impact a bunch of people around you, and you got to get it right. So how do you get it right? In the time that I have left, and I'm watching the time here, I've got about, uh, oh, i got more time in this service. i got about five minutes. Okay, okay. i got, I got three, four minutes here. I'm going to show you how to weigh wise counsel, okay? Here's how you weigh wise counsel. First of all, I want to make sure that I have younger, like Rehoboam, you want younger and older people speaking into your life. You want both. And you want to weigh both. You want to ponder and weigh both. I, we have some people in this church staff that are 30 years of age, and I go to them sometime in their office and tell me, hey, what do you think? I need to know what you think. I want to know what, what, what do you see. I need your perspective. I don't want to hear what you have to say. Church, we got to stop denigrating and demonizing millennials, and some of you who are leaders need to go sit down and talk with them and learn something from them because you can. You can. I seek wisdom. I'm 63 years of age. I seek wisdom for people half my age all the time, all the time, and from people that are much older than me. If I'm going into battle, I want to make sure I've got a commander who's done it before and not just been in the classroom at West Point, but has actually done it. And so I go seek wisdom, people that are far older than me the same way, and you got to weigh it from both. Secondly, I got to weigh the risk profile of the people who are speaking into my life. And here's what I mean by that. Let's say I'm going to go build a church in Islamabad. I say, you know what? God has convicted me. Let's go build a church right in the middle of Islamabad. I have some friends I'd go to. they say, yeah, let's go do it. Charge ahead, pastor. I asked some other friends who would say, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. You're going to get everybody killed. <laughs> That's the most dangerous place in the world. That's crazy. Are you sure we ought to be doing that? See, I want both kinds of people speaking in my life, people that are reserved and cautious and people who love to go to Vegas, baby. You know, you know the risk takers roll the dice and go for it, and those who say, eh, you got to have both. If you're going to weigh it, you have to have both. Here's the third thing. I have to weigh the relationship with me. And this is what Paul did. He had the elders that were very close to him. And the elders were saying, don't go, don't go, don't go. But here's the problem. They were so close to Paul and they loved him so much. They were speaking what they wanted instead of what God wanted. You can have people so close to you, they won't tell you what you need to hear 
because they don't want to hurt your feelings. And so here's what I do with that. I want people who love God and who love me, but who love God more than they love me, speaking into my life. Because I want to hear the truth, the brutal facts, what I don't want to hear, contrarian counsel that goes against, because I got it tough. I'm really going to come to a good decision. And here's the last thing. I want people in my life who are going to take it to God. I don't want to over-spiritualize this, but people who are going to take it to God. I have some friends in my life that if I have a decision I'm trying to make and I share with them, they'll say, hold it, Rick. Okay, let me, let me think about that. I'm going to take it. Let me, give me two or three days, and I'll get back with you. And I know they'll go in the Word, and they'll journal, will think about it, and then they'll come back and share with me, what, hey, here's what I sense God saying. I don't agree with it, but here's what I think I, I sense God, what I need to share with you. Do you have friends like that? You, know, you don't need friends in your life that are just going to give you their opinion. I can give you my opinion. I got lots of opinions. I see you do too. I see them all over Facebook and Twitter. All you got your opinions. But I don't really need your opinion. I want to know what God has to say. And if you want to give somebody a gift, you want to give somebody in your family a gift, they come to you, man, I got a critical decision. Give them a gift and say, hmm, give me a three days. I want to take it to God. I want to think about it. I want to pray about it. I want to read through the scriptures. And then I'll come back and I'll share you. And man, that's a gift. If you have friends that will do that for you. I wonder how many would say right now, you have some decisions in your mind right now. Anybody here in, in the house that has some critical decisions you have to make? Anybody here? Anybody? I see a few hands. I see a few hands. Are you going to seek wise counsel? Yes. That's what the scripture says. Many advisors. Are you going to blindly obey it? No. You're going to weigh it, right? You're going to weigh it. But at the end of the day, when all the counsel's in, and you have to make the decision. Make sure you obey God. Even if it's against what everybody else says, even if it's against common sense, even if it's against wise counsel from trusted people and friends and family, you can never go wrong obeying God. Stepping out in faith. You will never regret the sacrifice. You will never regret the, the commitment of the cost. Never, ever obeying God, ever. Because there will come a day where you will stand before God in your shoes, not my shoes, not your wife or your husband's shoes, not your boss's shoes, not some friend's shoes, your shoes before God and there's going to be a conversation and I hope it goes kind of like this I got your true worth I got you online stay with me stay with me stay with us you know I'm going to call out your name hey Mike hey John hey Mary Patricia he knows your name remember on November the 14th 2019 you were in worship, and I was nudging you, and I asked you to do some stuff. You heard me. I know you did. I asked you to do some hard stuff. I asked you to do some stuff that nobody might ever know but me. 
I ask you to do some stuff that would require you to sacrifice and to turn the priorities of your whole life upside down to get it right. And here's what I hope you hear. Everyone here, here's what I hope you hear. You did it. was a man named Jesus they told him don't you go to Jerusalem they're gonna kill you he says I have to go my father sent me he gave me marching orders he said this is my body broken for you the cup of salvation my blood I know I gotta go I gotta go my father sent me my blood spilled up on the ground for the forgiveness of your sins I gotta go. I can do nothing but the will of the one who sent me. Whenever you eat this bread, he says, whenever you drink in this cup, you remember me. If you're not a member of this church, it's okay. This is the Lord's table, it's not our table. There's only one table, and it's God's. He says, you're welcome to come. You need wisdom this morning? Come. Not been baptized? Come. You're gonna be invited to come. Take a pinch of the bread, take a little cup of juice, drink. Work your way back, drop off in the basket, and come. God, we thank you for this table which reminds us of who you are, of your perfect wisdom, your perfect love, your perfect grace, your perfect plan, your big picture understanding of life, the bigger picture. And God, many of us here in this room and even online at True Worth, we find ourselves in situations of needing wisdom to make the right decision, not just for us, but for the people around us. So God, even as we receive this sacrament, speak, direct us, and give us the courage to act.
some praise, church. Yes, Lord. We thank you that we can claim victory in your name, Jesus. Because of a sacrifice that you made so long ago that we recognize even now in this moment. And because you conquered the grave, and because you rose again, God, the power through the name of Jesus lives in us even now. And we know that we can face anything with that power with us. God, you've done it before. We know you'll do it again. We thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's sing this together. Sing walking. Walking around these walls. I thought by now they'd fall. But you have never failed me. Even in the waiting, he's there singing.
One more time, let's sing it together. Promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. Still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed. Oh, you've never I don't know the decisions some of you have to make. They're so big, it's like a mountain right in front of your face, but leave here on this morning knowing that God is faithful. And you can be confident that He will not fail you, and He will speak, and when He speaks, be obedient. And trust that God will come through. So if he's acting, you need to be baptized, you need to join the church, you need to be a part of a small group, you need to find someplace to serve, find it. Stop at the next steps area and say, I want to be obedient this morning. I'm ready to act on what I heard God say, whatever that might be. Just turn our eyes to the screen and together be grounded in who we are and why we do what we do. Our purpose statement. The purpose of Pathway Church is to glorify God and share the love and grace of Jesus Christ with as many people as we can. And how are we going to fulfill this purpose? By ministering to spiritual, emotional, and physical needs, by providing Christian relationships and the family of God, by providing the challenge for individual and collective spiritual growth. God bless you, thank you for coming. Speak to someone this morning, they need to hear your welcome.